Galatians 6, verses 11 through 18. We, are, um, we, we hope to wrap up our series on Galatians today. And today, uh, in order to only have one more sermon on this text, I'm going to focus on one verse, and it's verse 14. But far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you think about it, boasting is really the issue in Galatia. Um, This verse 14 really gets at uh, summarizing the message of Galatians and the reason why Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia. Boasting is the problem. Uh, The Judaizers, we've called them, uh, came into the churches of Galatia, and they were, on the one hand, uh, confirming some things Paul said about the gospel. You need faith in Jesus Christ in order to be justified, but there's more to it than that. You need to be circumcised. You need to obey certain ceremonial laws. You need to keep certain Old Covenant Sabbath regulations, and if you don't, um, you cannot... (coughs) have the assurance that you are indeed justified by faith in in Christ. And so the Judaizers, they were were teaching this message. They were boasting in themselves, boasting in their own uh, efforts, and boasting in their own religious performance. And they also wanted to boast in their evangelistic efforts. That's why in verse 13, they Uh, Paul says they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. They not only wanted to boast in their own works, they wanted to boast in converts. You can imagine the, the, the missionary newsletter of the Judaizers being sent back to Jerusalem with the, the headline, you know, 100 circumcised, because that's what they were all about. And this boasting produced another set of issues within the churches of Galatia, which we've seen Paul speak to. It created a culture of competition and comparison and envy within the church because the Galatians were in the process of buying into this message that we are justified, that we are forgiven and accepted by God through faith in Jesus Christ plus Certain things that we do. Certain things that God does not require us to do. And you see what that created in the churches of Galatia. This this dividing line. The haves and the have-nots. The circumcised and the uncircumcised. Those who keep certain ceremonial laws and are super spiritual. And those who are a class below. There were these unbiblical boundary markers being established within the New Testament church. And that's why Paul spoke about uh, envy and conceit and division and backbiting because that's exactly what this teaching produced within the churches of Galatia. So boasting in one way or another was the issue. And so verse 14 sums up, I think, everything this letter is about. Far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world is crucified to me 
and I to the world. In other words, justification by faith alone in Christ alone means I boast in the cross, <clears throat> the cross alone, not anything I do. Before we read our text, let me lead us again briefly in, in a word of prayer, asking for God's help. Let's pray. Lord, we are, we are your covenant people by grace, gathered in your presence to meet with our God and to hear you speak to us and address us from your word. We thank you for your word, that it is able to make us wise into salvation and and teach us, and convict us, and correct us, and train us. And we ask this morning that you would speak your word to our hearts, and address and transform our minds, and shape our wills today, so that we would boast, not in ourselves, but solely in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Galatians 6, verses 11 through 18. Let's hear God's word. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation." And as for all who walk by this rule, this standard, it's the word canon, where we get the word canon of scripture from, for, for all those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Quick insertion there, what Paul is saying is, As he'll say in in Philippians, the the true circumcision, the true Israel of God, are those whose hearts have been circumcised and they have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jew and Gentile, the true Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. There's a painting in the city of Rome that dates back to the second century, which you can go see today. It's a piece of graffiti. I spoke to some of you about it recently, I think in Sunday school. Um, The picture is of of a man uh, being crucified. And he has the head of a donkey. And next to him is a man with outstretched arms in worship. And his name is Alexamenos. And underneath this image, it says, Alexamenos worships his God. 
It's a piece of graffiti that was intended to mock Christianity. And it's a, it's a window into how many people in the second century in the Roman Empire were thinking about the Christian faith. Alexamenos is an utter fool because he, he worships a man being crucified and he worships an ass. That's what many people thought about the Christian faith at that time. And it's not very different in, in our own day that the cross is an offense. The cross is utter foolishness. To, to the Jews, it was a sign that someone had been forsaken and cursed by God. And to the Hellenistic Greek culture in which the New Testament was written, the cross of Jesus Christ was utter foolishness. The idea that God would reconcile sinners to himself by means of a man being crucified sounded like utter folly. Now here's the Apostle Paul, himself a Jew by birth and a Roman citizen. And he's been converted on the Damascus Road and his life has been turned upside down by the gospel. And here's Paul saying, far be it from me to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll look at this verse together, verse 14, and, and reflect, in fact, upon three crucifixions that Paul speaks of here in this verse. Because he speaks about Christ being crucified. He speaks about the world being crucified to believers. And he speaks about believers being crucified to the world. So let's think about these three things together. First of all, then, uh, Christ crucified. Verse 14, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that word boast, it's somewhat difficult to capture it, its meaning in, in the English. Boasting doesn't mean bragging. Boasting means more like rejoicing in, resting in, trusting in. The, the object of our boast is what we revel in. And the object of the Christian's boast is Jesus Christ nailed to a tree. And we need to try to capture something of the oddity of that, so the strangeness of that, the, the offense of that in, in our own context. That the object of our boast is not, it's not our religious performance, it's not our church membership, it's not our church tradition, it's not our gifts, it's not our job or status in society, and on and on and on we could go. The object of our boast is Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, the Gospels, when they talk about the crucifixion of Jesus, they, don't, they really don't go into a lot of detail, do they? they? They pass over the crucifixion with a remarkable degree of brevity. And, and then when you read the, the letters of the New Testament, the epistles written by the apostles, they don't go into very much detail about the crucifixion, what, what was involved in the crucifixion of Christ. And I think part of that is because they simply didn't have to. 
because crucifixion was a regular occurrence for many people living in the Roman Empire. Indeed, in certain parts of the Roman Empire, this may have been a daily thing that people saw with their own eyes. The, the horror of the crucifixion. It's something they understood, but it's perhaps something that we need to, to stop and think about for a moment with one another. Uh, the, the crucifixion was... Well, it was one of the most painful and humiliating ways to die, and it was intended to be just that. In, in Roman culture, it was, it, was, it was seen as despicable, disgraceful, even, even detestable. The word itself, crux, was not considered to be a word that you should ever speak in polite company. And this is the word that Christians want to proclaim as the greatest news to the world. The, the message of the cross, the word of the cross, the good news of Jesus Christ and him crucified was something that would not have been considered acceptable within polite circles of Roman society. And Christians are going around the empire saying this is the greatest news in the world. And there's not only the, the gruesome crucifixion and its gospel significance, which we'll come to in a moment, that was offensive. But of course, before that, there's, there's the beating that Jesus experienced, his scourging. Some of you have, have maybe seen the, uh, the film by, uh, directed, I think, or produced, whatever, by Mel Gibson, The Passion of the Christ. Some of you take exception to images of Christ. That's a whole nother conversation for another time. But I, I watched that scene of the scourging of Jesus. And frankly, I don't ever want to see it again. Don't ever ask me to watch that movie because I will, I will tell you no. It is one of the most gruesome things I've ever seen. And, and yet I think it, it is an accurate depiction of what Jesus experienced at the hands of Roman soldiers. Actually, if anything, I don't think it fully captures the depths of humiliation that Jesus experienced at the hands of an entire Roman battalion that let loose on Jesus. Um, the scourging of Jesus and, and the crucifixion of Jesus. And this, this the, the, the message of Christ crucified would have been an utterly detestable message to proclaim in polite Roman society. So we need to, we need to try to grasp something of the offense of the boast of the Apostle Paul. I think it's hard for us because for many of us, the cross has become basically a religious symbol. And, and it's hard for us to think of a, of a modern equivalent, though some have tried. Here's, here's one attempt at it. In, in our own story here in America, one of, the, one of the darkest spots on the American story is the practice of lynching in the 19th and even into the 20th century where unlawful mobs would seize men and women, the vast majority of them being black, 
and do, well, frankly, often do unspeakable things to them until they hauled them away, put a noose around their neck, hung them from a tree, and left them there to die. Something like 5,000 recorded lynchings, and those are just the ones we know about. You hear, hear that? I think what Paul is saying, I hope this kind of rings home with us, Paul is saying something like this, far be it from me to boast, except in the lynching of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it begins to, I think, get close to how that would have sounded to people in, in the first century Roman Empire. That, that's how this would have come across. Because when you look at the cross, it doesn't say salvation. It doesn't say the forgiveness of sins. It doesn't say reconciliation with God. That's something that has to be explained. The word of the cross has to be proclaimed. The message of the cross has to be declared. But the New Testament does that for us. It explains the meaning and the significance of the crucifixion of Christ. Paul has been doing it throughout Galatians. And so, for example, back in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul said, for freedom, Christ has set us free. That's what Jesus was doing at the cross. It's the language of redemption. Christ was setting captives free. He was paying a ransom price. As, as sinners, we are in bondage to, to sin. And Christ came and upon the cross by his death, and resurrection, he was setting slaves and captives free for God. Or you can go back to Galatians, or, uh, yeah, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. And Paul says there, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. That's what, that's what was happening on the cross. Jesus was becoming a curse for us. Language of 2 Corinthians, he who knew no sin became sin for us in order that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Substitution. It's this glorious exchange. In my place condemned, he stood. Jesus took the sins of his people and the shame and the guilt of his people and carried it to the cross. Jesus was experiencing the judgment of God upon the cross in order to satisfy the, the demands of divine justice, in order that God could be both the just and the justifier of those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the cross means. And when you come to see that, when you come to believe that for yourself, you can say, with the Apostle Paul, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I rejoice in the cross. I revel in the cross. I glory in the cross because it means that God so loved me that he gave his one and only son. That God took notice of my condition and so cared for me that he provided his son, Jesus Christ, to be my savior and my substitute. It means that Jesus took my sin and my shame and carried it to the cross. 
terms of pilgrim's progress, which many of us are, are reading, it means that at the cross, at the foot of Calvary, the burden of sin, the awareness of our guilt falls off of our backs and rolls down the hill into the pit where it is never to be seen again. This is what the cross means. This is why we boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it means that we can have assurance of peace with God. And dear friend, you need assurance of peace with God. You don't know what's going to happen later this week. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen to you this afternoon. I could get a call tomorrow morning and be writing your funeral message later this week. We need assurance of peace with God. And that assurance comes to us from the cross of Christ. So the question I think this part of the verse raises for each and every one of us is, what are you boasting in today? Really, what is your boast? Are you boasting in yourself? Are you boasting in your, your religious performance, your accomplishments, your church membership, our church tradition, your family heritage, your career? Or are you boasting in Jesus Christ and him crucified? Boasting in Christ means we renounce anything and everything that we might try to do in order to save ourselves. Boasting in the cross of Christ means we forsake any thought of our own merits being sufficient to reconcile us to God and we claim the merits of Jesus Christ alone. Have you done that? Have you done that for yourself? In this passage, Paul speaks to us then about Christ crucified. And then notice, though, as the, the, the verse goes on, he secondly speaks to us about the world being crucified to him. He speaks about the crucified world. Verse 14 again, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me. Now, what's, what, what's Paul saying there? I think he's saying... Simply this, that the world has nothing to offer to him. Put it this way, that the world is as good as dead to the Apostle Paul. But don't, don't misunderstand Paul. He's not saying that biblical spirituality means that we seek to remove ourselves entirely from this world and from the people of this world. Nor is the Apostle Paul saying that we shouldn't enjoy and bring glory to God by enjoying the things God has made and provided for us in this world. Paul has a biblical understanding of creation. He didn't think that the material world is in and of itself intrinsically evil. He understood that the things that we receive from God are to be received with thanksgiving and rejoicing. So that's not what Paul is saying. What I think he's saying is that everything in this world apart from God, apart from Jesus, apart from salvation in Christ alone, all the things in this world, what are they at the end of the day? Nothing. They can't bring us any lasting value. It's the, it's the message of Ecclesiastes 
in essence, I think that's what Paul is saying, that the world has nothing of lasting value to, to offer us because the world apart from God and the world apart from union and communion with Jesus Christ has nothing of lasting value to offer me. It's vanity. And so Paul says the world is crucified to me. I no longer value what the world values. I no longer think the way the world thinks. I no longer live for the things that the people of this world live for. Um, this is just coming to mind, so I hope I can remember it. Does anybody remember the band Cademan's Call? Some, some people, some people, okay, I see a couple nods. I don't, somebody can tell me the title of the song later. How's the course go? It's in my head. Um, this world has nothing for me, and this world has everything. All that I could want or ask for, but nothing that I need. I think that's right. That's what Paul is saying here in, in this verse. That take, take, take the whole world... If, if I have Jesus, I've got everything I need. And so here's maybe where I think we need to do a little bit of thinking and application for ourselves. Because again, the question becomes, can, can I honestly join with the Apostle Paul in boasting in the cross of Christ and then in saying the world is crucified to me? <coughs> You know, there are many things we might pursue, things that in and of themselves are good things. But if they are things that harm our relationship to Jesus, they can become bad things if we live for those things at the expense of our communion with Jesus. And Paul is showing us that when, when we boast in the cross you get a right perspective on this world. The things of this world don't matter the way they used to because what ultimately matters is union and communion with Christ. A couple of years ago, I think it's been now, we, we worked our way through uh, the book of Ecclesiastes together. And, and I'm more and more convinced of this. Well, you know, the message of Ecclesiastes is relevant in every uh, era, I think it's particularly um, poignant in, in our own day because we live in an age of, of hopelessness and despair. We've got, we've got all this stuff and people have no idea what life is about, what life is for, why they're here. And, and, and they go about groping after some kind of meaning and significance. And there is this sense in people's hearts and lives that this is all pointless. It's utter vanity. It's like sand in my hand. I can't keep a hold of it. I'm going to lose it. And, and the book of Ecclesiastes gives expression to those frustrations. But it also points us to the solution. Because Ecclesiastes basically says, you can have the world, you can have the riches of this world, you can have the most pleasure possible in 70 years of life, you can, you can have all of the sex that you want to have, you can have all of the success that you want to have, you can have it all, and at the end of the day, you will be saying, vanity of vanities, if you are without Christ. Because 
What are of all of those things without Jesus? Honestly, they're nothing. Fleeting pleasures. Vapor, Ecclesiastes says. But on the other hand, you could have, you could have nothing in this life and have Jesus. And what do you have? You have everything. You have everything you need. Whatever gain I had. You remember Paul saying this in Philippians? Whatever gain I had. The, the things that the former Paul used to boast in. His Jewish roots. His religious uh, accomplishments. Pharisee of Pharisees. His intellectual abilities. Paul says, I count all of those things as unimportant. No, that's not strong enough. Paul says, I count all of those things as good as human excrement compared to the value, the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. My friends, can, 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 can we say that? We take, take all of our accomplishments, all of the things we have in this life, things that perhaps we have boasted in, and can we say, I count all of those things as good as refuse compared to the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ and being known by him. That was Paul's boasts, boast. And, and so the question here, as, as we think about applying this part of the verse to our own lives is, you know, is, there, is, there something, is there something you can't let go of? You know, is there something that in this world is being offered to you and, and you're holding on to it and it's ruining your relationship with others, but worst of all, it's ruining your relationship with Jesus. I want you to hear what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, listen, listen to this verse for a moment. Instead of living for this world, Christian, recognize that this world has been crucified to you. Now that's, that, is, that is not a command. Paul is not giving you an imperative here. There are certainly commands that will flow out of this reality. Paul is stating a fact. He is stating a reality. This is something God has done for his people at the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ in union with Christ. The world has been crucified to you. Now live in light of that reality, Paul is saying. This is who you are in Christ Jesus. The world has no claim upon you because you have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So there's the crucified Christ, there's the crucified world, and then third, there's the crucified Christian. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What's Paul saying here? I think he means to say, to, to, to uh, explain it out for us, that the, when the world looked at the Apostle Paul, they saw someone who was of no importance. 
They, they saw someone who was worthy of derision and shame. That's something when you think about who we're speaking about here. This is Paul. Paul was not a nobody. Paul was a somebody. Paul was an emerging leader among the Pharisees. Paul is one of the most brilliant minds this world has ever seen. I think the only person to ever stand up to Paul in a debate was Stephen. And it enraged the Apostle Paul to covet. Paul had a phenomenal mind. But once he came to Jesus Christ, better yet, once Jesus took hold of the Apostle Paul and the cross became the defining reality of Paul's life, when the world looked at Paul, they saw an utter fool. And Paul is saying, I don't care. I don't care what the world thinks about me because the only thing that matters is what Jesus thinks of me. As far as the world is concerned, I'm crucified. And so look at verse 17. Further down he says, as he's closing up this letter, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, referring to the false teachers in the churches of Galatia, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. What's he referring to? He's, he's referring to his back. He, he's referring to the physical persecution that he has endured for the sake of the cross that bears testimony to what the world thinks of him as a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, five times, I think it is, he received 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods, and, and one time he was stoned to the brink of death. Can, can we even imagine the physical toll and the physical marks that must have left on Paul's body? I, I, I don't think we, we can, really. But let's just try to imagine this for a second. Okay, and this is definitely an exercise of imagination, so go with me here. Let's say you're on family vacation this summer lake or the beach and the apostle paul goes on your family vacation it's august so it's hot you're sitting along the shoreline and you have your list of questions that you always wanted to ask the apostle paul and he patiently answers many of them until he's had enough and he says okay it's too hot i'm gonna go for a swim and the apostle paul stands up and he takes his shirt off and you gasp because you see a body that has been torn to shreds you see muscle fibers that have been torn apart at one point perhaps organs had been exposed I bear in my body the marks of Jesus now Paul is not saying that to brag dear friends he's saying that to make a point that what Jesus thinks about you is more important than what others think about you. That what Jesus thinks about you is more important than what the world thinks about you. That what Jesus thinks about you is more important than what your co-workers and your friends and your family think about you. And so this is the boast of the Christian. All I have is Christ. He's all, he's all I want and he's all I need. The world is dead to me 
And as far as the world is concerned, I am dead to the world. My life is defined by the cross of Christ. So as we, as we wrap up this series on Galatians, let me just ask us as one, more, one more question as we think about this verse. Because I think the, the issue it raises is, is this. Are you, are you serious about Jesus or not? Are you in or, or, or are you out here? Is it all for Jesus, all for Jesus or not? This is the description of the Apostle Paul for, for his life. This is my sole boast. Jesus Christ and him crucified. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Brothers and sisters, can we, can we join in saying that with joy along with the Apostle Paul? So we close up Galatians May, may God give us passion for Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, and may he give us an understanding of what truly matters. So that we rejoice in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We Rejoice this morning in Christ and him crucified. We, we thank you that he became our substitute. Bearing our sin and our shame in order that we might receive forgiveness and his righteousness through faith. Lord, we pray today that all of those trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ today could and would truly Boast in Christ and Him crucified, knowing sin is paid for, guilt is gone. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And may we go forth here today saying, I am dead to this world. And the only thing that counts is what my Lord and Savior thinks of me. Make that a reality in all of our lives, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.